in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. We've been talking about journeying through Exodus, and we're stopped, sort of, pause on the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Turn with me back to Genesis 9, 6. Genesis chapter 9, 5 and 6. Actually, Genesis chapter 9, 5 and 6. The first covenant is with Noah in, in, in Scripture. And so we find here is in 9, 5, Surely and surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, will I require it at the hand of every man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. May the Lord's blessing to the reading of his word. I was just thinking today, it's amazing. You can know that we're made in the image of God because Satan hates human beings. He doesn't hate all the animals. He hates one thing, us, because we're the imago dei, the image of God. Let us pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, please guide and direct my words tonight as we think about uh, the, the title being Families That Choose Life. May we be life choosers. Thank you for sending your son, and he gives life. And Lord, thank you for being close to us. Thank you for answering to prayer. Thank you for uh, helping George get his equipment fixed and for uh, health issues and different things this week past week in our church family so many more this coming week i pray that you just grant healing and blessing as you as you see fit and I ask all these things in jesus name i pray amen kent hughes author kent hughes said no previous age regarding thou shalt not kill has equaled our horror of killing and that no previous age ever killed so much. And I recount, uh, we've recounted different times the, uh, the horror of abortion here in our own country. Uh, 53% now are aborted by pills, etc. And so uh, we have found that, that uh, America has done our part, the millions and millions of children across the world every year who are, are, are killed. Mark Twain said regarding us, this is families choosing life. Mark Twain said regarding life, why is it we rejoice at a birth and grieve at a funeral because we're not the ones involved. And so we're not the ones involved. So we're not the ones that have to go through the birth process. And we're grieving when someone goes because we wish it was us going to heaven. Now, since God's the author of life, he has set rules whereby we as humankind are to live by. I believe from the very moment of Adam and Eve's creation in the Garden of Eden, God set forth the sanctity of human life. There's nothing like humans. We have the eternal spirit dwelling inside. Long before the sixth commandment was ever given in Exodus 20, God's holding the first murderer, Cain, accountable for taking human life. And later, after the flood, God gave gave the command again right in our text, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, 6 of Genesis 9, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Now this answers two common misunderstandings. First of all, it is a specific commandment, thou shalt not kill. It prohibits really the murdering of someone else. It's a specific command, not just a a general prohibition against killing. We know people want to go out and hunt, etc. It's not a prohibition against killing everything, but it's really a, a rare Hebrew word, And even some render as murder, thou shalt not murder. That is the idea. It's not against all killing whatsoever. Now, this misunderstanding deals with, first of all, those who break into laboratories and they free the rats and the mice or they go into Red Lobster and break the lobster tank and let all the lobsters go hopping over, crawling away. That's the extreme uh, PETA, people for ethical treatment of animals, PETA, etc. That's not talking about this prohibition. Matter of fact, when... 
Back way over, I think it's 2011, when one of the new, newer translations of Scripture was coming out, March 23rd of 2011, PETA uh, is calling for translators of this version to remove what it calls specious language and refer to animals as he or she instead of it. Bruce Friedrich, the, at that time president or vice president for policy, said that calling an animal it denies them something. They are beloved of God. And so, in a quote, so we know that they have gone a little bit overboard when it comes to the ethical treatment of animals, as you well know. The second misunderstanding is this, and it's more serious, is that the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill, then precludes or is negative about death, the death penalty. They believe the death penalty is simply sanctioned murder because it multiplies the violence. But there's no support for that view in Scripture, I'll have to tell you. There's not support for that. The very fact that human life is sanctified by God in his eyes and his sight makes it deliberate taking of a mother life murder. It's as simple as that. So often when the murders come along, people forget the victims of the crime. There should be an accountability. The wild, wild west had that right. If you stole a horse, I believe it was a horse stealing, horse thievery, and if you killed somebody, the hanging judge come and you're hung in the morning. There was not, there was not like a lot of big jail cell. And I, I'm, now, you know what? I'm guessing because I've seen so many Westerns that they do that. You know, hanging judges coming. We're hanging them in the morning. String them up in the morning. And, and that's the way it was. If you got caught, you were guilty. And the people knew. The people knew when they did that, that their life was going to be forfeit if they ever got caught. That's why they ran from the law. Because they ran from the law. Because once we get caught, our life is forfeit. And deservedly so. Many of them, I've done wrong, and I deserve what I'm getting. There's no support for the idea that this says you cannot capital punish people, or, or that's the responsibility, really, of the government. Paul makes that very clear in Romans chapter 13. By the way, the Mosaic, or excuse me, Noahic covenant has not been rescinded, repealed, reversed, or revoked, but it has not been revered by man, however. This verse spells out for all generations the penalty for murder. Capital punishment is the forfeiture of your life. Now, I think it was Old Testament. I know it was Old Testament, but I think it was 22, 23 things you could do that were in Bible times worthy of death, or you had the death penalty upon you in the Jewish lands. God laid a capital punishment. This is a permanent part of Israel's law code, and it's permanently even today. If you turn over to Exodus chapter 21, it is clear as crystal Exodus 21, verse 12. I was cleaning our, my kitchen, our kitchen windows a little bit yesterday. My, I could see a whole lot better out in the back 40 after I cleaned. Wow, man. We, and as you know, we've been doing a reno. And we haven't got around to the window cleaning yet. I got around to that yesterday. And wow, I can see. It's clear, a lot clearer. This is very clear for us here. 21, 4, 12. It says, He that smiteth a man so that he die shall be surely put to death. 14. But if a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, thou shalt take him from mine altar that he may die. The Bible is extremely clear on that. Now, it's obvious that God did not intend to prohibit all life taking because the, for the penalty for murder in Old Testament time, even now in New Testament time, I believe, unless there's extenuating circumstances some way, is the death of the person who did the, the, the act. So if this fifth commandment meant that you could never take a person's life, then you could not even then have someone punished for murder. So we know thou shalt not kill is not a blanket statement that no killing whatsoever should ever be done. It's not saying that. But what about wartime? 
There may be some, as you want, I think it's the Amish people, they're called pacifists. Others, they are conscientious objectors to serving in the military. There may be some who don't completely agree, but the Bible's clear that the same God who told the Hebrew people not to kill often sent them to war to eliminate those who were of a, of a persuasion that was not godly. I wondered if the Israelites were in our border. If the Israelites were living in Canada or Mexico... Would America be one of those countries that are just about on the time to go out and... Would we be called Canaan? Would we be called Canaan? Just thinking out loud here, I don't think we're quite that far yet, but we're heading that direction rather rapidly. And, but nowhere in Scripture, New Testament or Old, are soldiers ever told to give up their military careers in order to be faithful to not killing anyone whatsoever. I would assume then that there are at least occasions when a person is justified in taking the life in times of war. I think also, if you, if I, I would just think, I think about this different times. If I heard someone downstairs and I get out my Glock and they're going to come in my, come in the bedroom door and get ready to do something, I'm, you know, I'm to stop or I'm, I'm going to shoot. If you don't stop, I'm shooting. So I better take five shots to hit somebody, but there we go. But I, that's, I think that's okay to protect your family. I think that's okay. I'm not determining that. I'm not going out there and seeking someone to shoot. I'm, I'm just protecting our family. So the purpose of this message is not to debate animal rights or capital punishment per se or wartime pacifists. I'm talking about, I want to see the intent behind this commandment. And Dr. Rogers does a great job of focusing our intent on what did God mean. Our society, again, is moving further and further from the bedrock of biblical teaching regarding sanctity of human life. We know about uh, life in the womb, but I just I found it actually quite encouraging that 60% still believe that for murder there should be capital punishment in America. 60%. And 27 strongly favor capital punishment for murder. That was in 2021, matter of fact. First of all, there's a specific commandment. Secondly, it's not alliterated, is the great life giver. Jesus is the great life giver. John 10:10. 10, 10. For the thief cometh not but what? To kill, and to, uh, to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. That's why he came. I heard one of the best explanations on a, on a I don't know, some, my wife just played it for me this afternoon, about uh, does God send people to hell? And the response was, no, he doesn't send people to hell. You are already on the road to hell, and what he has done is provide a lifeboat for you to receive Christ as personal Savior. But you're already on that road. If you don't get in the boat, then you're going to go where you were destined to go from the beginning, where you started. To, that's, I thought that was a good explanation. That's where the, and that's where the world's going. They're going to a crisis eternity, but he died that we might have everlasting life. The default position of humankind is everlasting death. But Christ has come that we might have life. He came to bring life abundantly. The thief, I believe, Satan, his only purpose is to destroy. What does the Lord do for us? First of all, it gives us physical life. In John 1, 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And those beautiful verses, if you want to turn with me to Psalm 139, 13 through 16. Psalm 139, the Lord gives us physical life. John, Psalm 139, 13, Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. 
I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect. Can I stop for just a moment before you could even hear the heartbeat? The psalmist says God knew him. Uh, Life begins at conception, not anywhere else. That's when the life begins. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect, and in thy book my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. God knew David from the moment he created him life. You and I, I, we, I Pastor, you talk about next Sunday, sanctity of human life, next Sunday. We need to be just spot on, dead Bible on this. This is what the Bible says. We're not waffling on this. Our country has waffled so many times, and the younger generation is taught, well, it's just a matter of choice. No, it is not. And we are looking, we think about King uh, Manasseh, or the one even mentioned this morning, who who gave his children to Moloch. How could a king do that? How can we do this in America? How can we do it in America? Because we have not followed God's word. How did, he, how did he make us? He made us by his almighty power. He gave us physical life. We didn't just evolve. Genesis 2-7, the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The only way I can explain it to you, when a man and woman get together, God gives the life. He generates that eternal spirit, soul, whatever you want to call it, soul, spirit, together. If you're a dichotomous, soul, spirit, divided. If you're a trichotomist, he gave us that. God gave us life. We're not the result of some monkey mythology. Evolution falls apart on the origin of life. To say that life came from spontaneous generation, which has been disproven over and over, nothing happens in a vacuum. You can't give life from non-life, proven a hundred years ago. And yet, that's what people believe. The astounding. Now, Wikipedia is not always right on everything, but I thought this was astounding. Wikipedia said nearly all, around 97% of the scientific community accepts evolution as the dominant scientific theory of biological diversity. 97% have bought into a theory. Not even proven by it. It can't be proven. But but we just don't want God. So under pressure of giving in and falling in line with everybody else, well, I I believe it. I have no no even misconceptions of why we're in a post-truth society. We've been heading there. For decades we've been heading there. Was it not in the 60s when the Bible was put out of the schools? In the 60s, something like that. I know my mom and dad went to the run room schoolhouses down in McGoffin County and Breathitt County, and we had, we had the liberty to, to share the gospel and, and sing songs, and my mom played the accordion, and I kept the hot-bellied stove warm, and all those things while they were doing that, and we had the liberty. Can you imagine? Some of you may have been in a one-room schoolhouse, eight grades in one square room. Amazing, and yet they learned very much so. Evolution is, has gained such ground, even in Christian teaching. There was a, a, a probably 20, 30 years ago, there was a, a uh, survey of Christian college coalition survey. 
and they were asked Christian colleges regarding creation evolution, the age of the earth, how their faculty interpreted the six days of creation, and the relevance of Genesis for the study of science. Now here's responses from Christian colleges. One said this, the six days of creation idea is not essential emphasis, and it is futile for us to pretend that we can restrict God's work to our human concept of time. The theory of evolution is the model into which we place all discoveries, Christian college in Goshen, Indiana. Another said, we, of course, believe in creation, and all the full-time faculty believe that the earth is billions of years old. All of us believe, however, that in some way God was active in creation over the long time span, Asbury College, Kentucky. Another said, it is at this point that we and the entire scientific community part company with creation scientists for their basic source of data is not the created world, but a literal interpretation of scriptures. And I beg to differ. A literal interpretation of scriptures explains the created world. But we feel that it would be irresponsible to present there the creation scientist's work as a scientific alternative. That was from Azusa Pacific, I think, in Seattle, or Seattle Pacific University. George Wald, a Nobel Prize winner in science, said this, When it comes to the origin of life on this earth, there are only two possibilities, creation or spontaneous generation, the Big Bang. There is no third way. Spontaneous generation was disproved a hundred years ago, but that leads us to one other conclusion, that a supernatural creation. We cannot accept that. The conclusion that life arose as a supernatural created act of God. So on philosophical grounds, therefore, we choose to believe the impossible, that life arose spontaneously by chance. Now just think what you're saying. You're believing the impossible by your own very words. How much easier to believe that in the beginning God created the heaven and earth. If you can get past that, the rest is a piece of cake. Now we may not understand all the pieces of cake or be able to eat them all correctly, but... If you can believe that, he's the life giver, the physical life. Also, he's the life giver of spiritual life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Without him, there is no going. Without him, there's no knowing. Without him, there is no growing. The life, the truth, the way. Christians are not just people who are trying to do better. No, we are people who are indwelled by the Spirit of God. And as we allow Jesus to live through us, we can live the Christian life for to be seen by others. We are new creatures in Christ, new creation, supernaturally regenerated, transformed by God. The life giver, physical life, spiritual life, and eternal life. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Everlasting life, the quality of life. Jesus adds years to the life and life to our years, does he not? It's like the little boy, an illustration a couple of weeks ago, who went to the pet store and there was one little dog and he's wagging his tail. And he said, I want the one with the happy ending. And the happy ending is here. It's, it's uh, in a once upon a time in a land far away. And they lived happily ever after. You can only say that if you're a child of God. Lives happily ever after. I can't write fairy tales. You know, I'm not trying to write a fairy tale, but I can tell you, this is not a fairy tale. This is actually what's going to happen. God's word. Let me ask you, where else can you find a book that gives you a, a, a knowledge of from the beginning of the creation until today? There is nothing else that gives you, or, or, there's no science book. Now they're guessing. This is the truth. 
This is the one way we know how, why we're here. This is the only way. There's nothing else. The Encyclopedia Britannica, which I sold when I was in, just got out of college, I sold one set. The couple in the church, was, they were, they were, I knew, and they knew they are probably going to buy them no matter what it was. And I think they were like $1,400. Now, this was 1984 and 5, so that was a lot, a lot of money now. I had a lot of money then, but they graciously bought the first set. That's the only sold, set I ever sold. I'm just not a salesman. I'm not. But we find there that, that this, this is the information, the, the information. Stack up everything else on one side, and I'll take God's word every single time. So then the life giver is Christ, the specific commandment, thou shalt not kill. And then there's the life destroyer. That's the sinister minister of destruction, as Adrian Rogers used to say. At 844 of John, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do, for he was a murderer from the beginning. That's what he likes to do. He likes to murder. And so the sixth commandment says, thou shalt not kill. That's another way of saying thou must reject Satan because we want to choose life. Think with me just a moment. I know this is a no-brainer, but all of the culture of death movement, who then is behind that? Just think for a moment. If Jesus is the life giver, Satan is the life hater, who is behind all the movement of the culture of death? Ultimately, Satan. Because Jesus came to give life. So when it talks about any kind of ending the life by man's hands, I tell you, it's not God behind that. It isn't. It isn't. Satan wants to bring death to our families, to our youth, to purity, to joy, to happiness. It's not like if you sign on for Satan's addicts or Satan's advice or Satan's way that you're going to be ecstatically happy. Look at the Skid Row. Look at the city of San Francisco, who in one week's time had 16,000 calls regarding all the human excrement on the streets in one summer week. That's happiness? Your mind's so blown that you can't understand what you're even doing? Never. And you're living from one high to the other? A hundred thousand people in America died because of fentanyl, drug overdose, this year, past year? And that's what it makes you... No, it's not. This. And we should pray for people who are trapped in that. Pray. Dignity. Every single person, drug addict or not. Every person has, and they're a life for whom Christ died. Christ died for all. Well, all we know that all won't receive him, but he did die that we might. You can, you can, I can comfortably share with someone the gospel, and I really believe they can be saved unless they've hardened their heart so much, et cetera. And God has said, "Well, we'll put you on this." You know, you've made your choice. But most people haven't gotten that God's third deadline yet. And if the Holy Spirit is working in their heart and life. Wow, maybe the Spirit will bring them and, and, and they'll receive Christ as Savior. That would be wonderful. That's, that's what I want to do. I trust it's what you want. I believe it is what most of us, not all of us want to do, have the opportunity. Our children, you think about the programming on our children. I've tried to update statistics. By the time people, young people are 18, they have witnessed on TV videos 40,000 killings and 200,000 acts of violence by the time they are 18. In America, updated from the FBI statistics from 17, violent crime every 24.6 seconds, every 30.5 minutes, there is a murder, there's a rape every 3.9 minutes, and there's a robbery every 1.7 minutes, and there's an aggravated assault every 39 seconds in our own country, America. The crime rate has only increased Oh, really a lot in the last two or three years. 
Someone wrote these words, a crust of bread and a corner to sleep, a a minute to smile and an hour to weep in, a pint of joy and a peck of trouble, never a laugh, but the moan comes double, and this is life? It's life if you don't know Christ. But with Christ, we can have the peace that passeth understanding. Someone has discovered that the word evil, uh, is spelled backwards, is live. And uh, by the way, I don't know if you knew this or not, but evil, E-V-E-L, Knievel's son passed away this past week. His name was Robbie Knievel, and he passed away. I just thought a little bit tidbit there, nothing new with the sermon. The word devil spelled backwards is lived. Satan is antithetical to live and living. He wants to end your happiness. He wants to end people's lives. He loves it when we don't even give our children a chance to get out of the womb. He loves all of that. He hates life. He hates man because he cannot cannot damage God, but he can damage as much as possible the people made in his image, mankind. So he gets it, our families instead. One of the most powerful mediums he's used over the last 50 years is music. Uh, listen to these. Now, think about this. Who is the author and the wanner of death? It is Satan. Listen to the names of some of the, the rock groups in the last 30, 40 years. The Grateful Dead, Annihilator, Atrocity, Carnivore, Coroner, The Damned, Dark Angel, Atheist Autopsy, Megadeth, Morbid Angel, Obituary, Death Angel, Destruction, Entombed, Legion of Death, Massacre, Napalm Death, Poison, Devastation, Guillotine, Malice, Violence, The Zombies, Oblivion, Slaughter, Suicidal Tendencies, Venom, Slayer, Thrasher, and Ultimate Revenge. Now, I'm not thinking the Word of God is part of those names per se, and that's just a sampling of some. I know that's an older sampling. Some of those probably never even heard of before. I've heard of the Grateful Dead. Uh, not Thrasher, I've heard of that. Uh, but I've not heard of a lot of those. So they might be up. But regardless of how popular they were, what do the names say? They are focusing on death instead of on life. Christ came to give life and give it more abundantly. Such a fascination with death does not come from a loving Savior who brings life, from a hating Satan who wants to kill. Sin thrills and then it kills. It fascinates and then assassinates, someone has said. So finally, the only specific commandment, thou shalt not kill, the great life giver is Jesus, the life destroyer Satan. And how about now as we turn to Deuteronomy 30, protecting life, protecting life. This is the last point. So, woohoo! He's going to be on time and not go overtime because we got that Bengals game on tonight. I know you're thinking that possibly. I hope you're not. <laughs> you might be thinking that. We'll get you home by 8, eight o'clock. I'll get out in time for you to get home in time. Now, whether you get home in time or not, that's on you. But I'll get you out of here. Uh, not that it makes Actually, I feel like preaching a five-hour sermon tonight. So there we go. Just teasing. Very little humor there. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. There's one encouraging honk. I can honk with the best of them. Honk, 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 honk. I can honk with the best of them. Deuteronomy 30. What kind of pastor do they have at that church? See, Deuteronomy 30, 15. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk on his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear, thou shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I will denounce unto you this day that ye shall perish, surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land where thou goest or passest over Jordan to go to possess it. 
I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that thou, both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and thou mayest obey his voice, that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Choose life. Oh, if we would just do that. Choose life. Life in Christ. Not only does the Lord give life, but He he is the life. We're talking about helping children choose life. Do you remember in the Old Testament times, back over in 22 verse 8, 22 verse 8, same book, 22 verse 8. Turn back for just one verse here, 22 verse 8 of Deuteronomy, 22 8. But when thou buildest a new house, 22 of Deuteronomy verse 8, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that thou might, or that thou bring not blood upon thine house, if any man fall from thence. Now the father was to build around the roof. Now we sort of have it today. Uh, if my wife works for the OSHA, people who trade at OSHA, is you have to have I think within six feet you have to have something around the roof. Some kind of, I think if you've been on roofs, you've got to have something around the roof to keep people from falling off. It's some kind of regulation with OSHA, something like that. Or if you're on the roof, you have to be tied off with a harness. We know that. Uh, and so that's part of it. In that, in that time, you, had, you built a wall around the edge of your roof so no one walked off. If someone walked off when the, when the wall was there, or jumped over or fell over, or jumped, uh, then you weren't responsible. But if there was no wall there, and someone walked to the edge and fell over, you were responsible because you had not put a wall around the top of your roof. The father was responsible to do that. The father's responsibility. The father's responsibility to protect his family, and there's, I think there's four ways, protecting life. Number one, intentional murder. The father's meant to protect physical life. From what? From intentional murder, intentional crime. The crime rate, as you well know, in America has gone up. The mass murders, even as, as recently as January the 4th of this year in Utah, uh, Enoch, Utah, there was in November, Chesapeake, Virginia. November was Colorado Springs. And November was Charlottesville, Virginia. All the way back in June of last year in Allen, Kentucky, there was what's called a mass murder. Three were killed and four were injured in our own state. Intentional murder. Interestingly enough, from 66 to 73, there were 12 mass murders. From 2011 to 2020, 160. So we have somehow gotten the idea that this is okay, that where where possibly could young people be learning and hearing that they're just non-consequential and they will not be standing before God and they're just as soon as they die, they simply cease to live. Where have we heard that? Where have we heard the... How have we heard? We know where we're going with this, right? We've been taught. Put God out and people have to replace it with something. You worship something. True Christians, we are against killing. Genuine Christians believe, we believe in life. I don't know if you heard it this week regarding life and death, but there was the trial of Ingrid Fruchner. Has anyone heard about Ingrid Fruchner? No one else. Okay. 97 years old, lives in a nursing facility. I think it's New Jersey. Not sure it's New Jersey. But she was a typist, a secretary at one of the German, Auschwitz or somewhere like that, one of the German death camps. She might be the very last German accused of World War II crimes that will stand trial. And the only thing she said, now she was there, as she took, she kept track of all the people who went in and out, etc. All she said was she regrets that she was there. Regrets that you were there. 
She said she did not know what was going on. You didn't know what was going on. People come and they don't go out. And the smoke, I, I can't imagine what the smoke must have smelled like. The burning of human beings. And they come in and never, you didn't know what was going on. Thing was, she, when they found out she was going to be tried, she ran, she actually escaped from the nursing facility and tried to outrun the law and was caught. At 90, 95 or 6, she'd been on trial for two years. Had been, the trials lasted about two years. We are for life. Intentional murder, we're against it. Suicide, we're against it. The family's designed to protect its members from suicide. What a grievous thing it is. Do you know that there are 800,000 suicide annually across the world? 800,000. We have had, and I know COVID's been serious, but we've had such a focus the last three years on the deaths of COVID. I'm telling you, during the same time, I would believe, I think, almost more have committed suicide than have died by all the reasons supposedly from COVID. I know COVID's serious. I had it. I'm going to say it's not serious. But I'm saying is every single year, 800,000 by suicide. Every single year, not just 2021, 2022, or two. You see what I'm saying? So important. 2018, 14.2 people per 100,000 died by suicide, the highest rate in 30 years here in America. And that was pre-COVID, 2018. Someone has said that for every successful attempt in suicide, 25 attempts are made, but unsuccessfully. Teenage suicide statistics, it is the second leading cause of death uh, for, for teens, I believe it is, and from 15, 12 to, uh, second leading cause of death among young adults and adolescents 15 to 24 years of age. Suicide. Now, well, well, how about the Bible? There were, there's six or seven suicides, Abimelech, Samson, Saul, Saul's armor bearer, Ahithophel, Judas Iscariot, etc., and one more. But they, none of those people who committed suicide were doing what God wanted them to do. Can a Christian commit suicide? Yes. Does suicide automatically send you to hell? No. Now, there will be some that would say yes. It's a sad state, though, that a Christian ever comes to a point in time where they feel like they have to end their own life. A very sad state. But that is not the unpardonable sin. I do not believe it at all. But we are, to, I think it was four out of five teens who attempt suicide have been giving warnings. Whether you're 25, 35, I know, it's, I know it's very prevalent among a military personnel too in our own nation. I think it is sadly so. Those are the people who we need to pray for. People we need to engage with. They have dignity as much as anyone else. We just said, well, I'm not going to go to this section, this section, this section. I'm only going to focus here and here. Listen, they all need the gospel. We all need to help those who are in need. Well, I've got my little window of need. Why is that? Jesus was all about helping everybody all the time. His life and ministry outside disciples was the people who came up and stopped in the middle of the road. Have, do you not see that in Scripture? How many people stopped him here? He's going here. Someone stops him there, stops him there. Come help me. And he had people around him all the time. His life was ministry. Therefore, there, the Bible says regarding uh, suicide, there hath no temptation, taken, t- no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Protecting life, intentional murder, suicide, and abortion. We talked about that quite a bit today already. Interesting, I found this one statistic, and I'll just mention this. Of abortions, 100%, 98%, according to the Guttmachter Institute, is not a pro-life 
98% is personal choice, 1.7% is the life of the mother or baby, and 0.3% is rape or incest. 98% of abortions is personal choice, 98%. It's, it's, it's the me. It's, it's about me. As you know, in 73, the, somehow the, the, the five justices found somewhere. It's not in there, but a constitutional provision for that. For, and it's not there, and it was reversed. Praise the Lord. It was reversed this past year. But that is not, I'm telling you, the game has been amped up a lot since that time. The, the, the people, the pro-death pro, uh, people, I guess pro-choice or the pro-abortion people are just fearful that this ideology can somehow, can somehow, the old, crusty old Christian believers of, of the Bible, they're going to somehow stop us. And they just, whatever way can happen. What a deplorable way to classify the deaths of unborn children as simply a choice. It, it, is, it is, something is wrong with America. We can, we, can, we can make the spotted owls and the whales and the snail darters and the bald eagles uh, a, a protected, but we can't make the womb of a child of the protected place should be. Before I was formed in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, Jeremiah, and ordained thee to be a prophet unto the nations. If you want to choose life, you can't do better than the sanctity of human life. Whether you are not yet born or you're 98, the sanctity of human life should be something that we uphold. It is a viable human being that God created. It's not for us to decide. There was a story told in New Jersey some time ago where a man had a rat eating his tomatoes and a man got tired of the rat and he put a newspaper on a broom handle and he beat the rat to death. Well, you should know it was not the end of the story. A local Humane Society executive jumped to the defense of the rat. He had a summon issued for the elderly gardener's arrest for cruelty. The man faced a possible fine of $1,250 and six months in jail for killing the rat. When the story got out, an executive director of the Humane Society found out that the people were laughing at him all over America. He explained his charge by saying the fact that the animal was killed was not the problem. The arrest summons was issued because the rat was trapped and could not escape, and had to suffer mutilation and a horrible death. And yet, human beings every day in our own country suffer a far more painful and horrible death. I know we're on the same page. I believe all of us, I can see you're shaking your heads and agreeing. And we need to pray for our country. That this, that, and do our part. Do our part to pray that God would help our country to repent and rechange our view of this. So a specific commandment, thou shalt not kill, doesn't mean, it says no to all killing. It says no government's responsible to, to take care of those things. Capital punishment is something God has sanctioned, still sanctioning. Christ is a life giver. Satan is a life destroyer. And we are to protect our families from murder, suicide, and abortion. Choose. Choose you this day. I encourage you to choose life. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us as a church, as individuals, as families, that we would train our children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, great-grandchildren, whoever we have opportunity, the, the importance and the sanctity of human life, that you would guide our ship, that we would rest and base all of our sola scriptura, the, the Bible alone. Help us this week that we would learn and grow and be a, a, the Christian we should be to a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.